Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Graham, and I'm back once again with Eric to discuss the Bills offseason, which is starting to heat up a little bit. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well, Graham. Doing real well. Um, by heating up, what do you mean? The Bills have news. I think we'll get into it a little bit, but, uh, you know, the season was supposed to be kind of boring, just like maybe re-sign one or two guys. They're not going to be trading up for draft picks, or they're not at the top of the draft, so we don't get to get excited about the combine really that much. It's off season is, I don't know, in my view, kind of boring, but we've got some things going on right now that have made the discussion more interesting at this time of year. Hmm. I'm curious to see where you will go with this. Cause I literally have <laughs> no idea when I'm thinking of the bills season right now. I'm not thinking of like, we just crazy. talked about this, the air anyway. All right. A couple things that are not as exciting. I've got like three pieces of news and I'll finish with the one that's the most interesting. Uh, the first piece of news for any, Bills game attendees. There are new renderings out for the stadium, which are really cool that you should go see. So since we last did an episode, the Bills released what their stadium in 2026 will look like. It looks kind of like a European soccer stadium. Like they said, there's a big overhang around the whole stadium. So if you're in the upper deck, you'll be protected from the elements a little bit. But it just it looks cool. They're going to build it across the street from the old stadium. I know there's a lot to be said about, you know, it's too much money. We're paying for it, this or that. Whatever. As a fan of the Bills and as an attendee of most of the games, I like seeing what that stadium's going to look like. So that's pretty neat. You saw it. What did you think? Yeah, I think it looks cool. It, it certainly does remind me of uh, some of the yeah, European soccer stadiums and stuff around here in Germany, especially, but uh, a little more futuristic looking. And that's pretty dope. I, though, said yes off the air. Not a huge stadium guy myself. You did mention that this is more appealing to the fans that actually attend games. I'm happy to just sit at home, be comfortable in my chair and watch the bills from afar. Well, to each his own. I just think that that's cool to think that that's going to be the stadium that we're in watching these games soon. And I love that it's still in orchard park right across the street. I genuinely don't know how they're going to do this because they're going to have to build this stadium while playing at the old stadium. And unfortunately where they'll be building the new stadium, that's where we all park. So I don't know where people are going to park there. Yeah, are they just going like, to like totally demolish uh, Highmark Stadium? Are they going to like blow it up and make that into it? What are they doing with that? I, they haven't said, but I think it would be really cool if like, instead of doing a flyover for the opening kickoff on the first game in the new stadium, they just press the button and explode the old <laughs> stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to get everybody all pumped up for the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's exciting um other interesting um off-season news related to the players you sort of alluded to there being a little bit of stefan diggs controversy like is he unhappy with the bills he might have done something on twitter at oliver did something like this where he posted that if you don't show me the money i'm not gonna talk and then it deleted the story so the Bills players oh, okay. getting a little bit uh, aggravated maybe in the offseason. Of course, publicly, I'm sure they wouldn't say that, but on their private little more, Instagram. More like aggravating. I hate this. Like, first of all, yeah, yeah, we do. talk about this with Ed Oliver. Like, we don't agree on a lot, but dude, this... The internet is forever. Do you not realize that, Ed Oliver? Are you not like a child of the 2000s growing up in the digital world, basically? I mean, just because you delete something does not mean that it's gone. So, great job, you dummy. Um, and then if I were, and I agree that players wouldn't love this, but like, you know how in baseball, the New York Yankees are somehow still hanging into, if you're a Yankee, you can't have a beard They're, They like still have that rule. Oh, do they? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And you have to have your hair kind of like cleanly cut. You got to look a certain way, you know, which is, I think is wild that that's still a thing that people still want to play for the Yankees bad enough that they will 
change the way they look completely to play for them. But I think that's cool. If I were a professional sports general manager, I, I feel like I would say the minute you are under contract for this team, you turn over all your social media to us. You don't get to just be out there posting, saying whatever you want online because you're representing us. And I would just say none of that for you. And I think well, I don't know. It's I, I, t- I understand the concept there. It's impossible. You can't just be like, especially because of how serious people get over their social media and stuff. You can't just be like, all right, your social media is now ours because people are going to talk about personal rights and things like that. Um, I do think that something like this should qualify as conduct detrimental to the team. You know, like if a player gets in trouble with the law or player does something, doesn't show up to practice, skips meetings, stuff like that, they can get fined and they can get fined under uh yeah the provision of conduct detrimental to the team and i think that if you show yourself to be a distraction using social media then you should have to suffer the consequences for that yeah it's no it's no different than if if brandon bean had his own little private twitter account and he went up and was like you don't want to work out you don't get paid and then we're all like what's he talking about you know yeah yeah so I agree with you. I I just think that like players should be able to control their social media, but there should it should still come with the responsibility of like, you know, you will be held responsible basically if you choose to do something dumb. And speaking of dumb things, the other thing that you mentioned, Stefan Diggs scrubbing, uh, it wasn't on Twitter. I believe it was him scrubbing his Instagram or something like that of anything relating to the Bills and uh, following the Dallas Cowboys, which is like, Oh my God, what are you 12 years old, bro? Come on. Um, he's upset. Understandably after the tough playoff exit, we thought that it would just be kind of like a thing where he's upset in the moment and gets over it over time. But I don't know if he's upset with his contract status, status too, wants to be making more money, thinks he's worth more or just, yeah. He I mean, just I signed it well, a year ago. Dude, this is totally off topic, but did you see uh, Zadarius, what is his name? Zadarius Smith for the Minnesota Vikings? They re-signed him, right? They signed him last year after he backed out. Of, so first of all, he asked for his release from the Packers because he was upset, or maybe they cut him because his cap number was huge, whatever. Then he agreed with the Baltimore Ravens, backed out of the deal to sign a similar deal with the Vikings and now he just thanked the Vikings organization on Twitter and apparently asked for his release with two years left on his deal. Like, dude, nobody <laughs> twisted your arm to make you sign the contract that you did. I, I don't get that. Yeah. So all the behind the scenes, you know, little private Instagram stuff. I'm not plugged in really. I'm not on Instagram or Twitter. I, I don't know. We run a podcast. We should probably, we should probably know all that stuff, but I don't. That's Phineas's job. Yeah. Come on, Phineas, keep up. Um, I get all my news through Bleacher Report and the athletic and things like that. Um, but the last piece of news, which is the actual interesting thing is that the bills don't have a defensive coordinator right now going into next season. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. I already forgot about that. <laughs> so we've argued about what the bills should do with Leslie Frazier. I guess the point is moot now because the decision's been made. Leslie just isn't going to do it next year and nobody knows why. Well, someone probably knows why, but we don't. Um, so we need a new defensive coordinator and whatever you felt about Leslie Frazier. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. You're going to have somebody new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw this framed as like fans get their fickle wish or something like that. I don't know. You and I, like you said, disagree on this. I just feel like at this point, it's better to move on with with either a young dude who can develop as a coordinator and kind of let Sean McDermott carry most of the weight into the defensive game planning and play calling and stuff like that. Or pick a guy who has a proven track record of developing uh, athletes into amazing football players. Because that was my biggest qualm after the playoff loss. I just felt like that game was an encapsulation of the entire season of like, yeah, the defense playing pretty well. And sure, injuries um, hurt them down the road. But like the young players, I feel like have not really developed to 
where a lot of them were expected to be at that point in the season. So I don't know, get a new guy in there, get a, a teacher, a guy who can coach some athletes up and <laughs> all the best to you in your future, Leslie Frazier. Yeah, it is weird though. They didn't, they said he would be back to coaching in 2024. They did not mention anything about that happening with the bills though. So it seems like a pretty hard exit from Buffalo for Leslie Frazier. Yeah, but it, they made it seem like it was his right, decision. Right. Like he yeah, made the it choice. Didn't seem like it, they definitely didn't frame it as like a firing or anything. It was just weird that like, yeah, he's going to be somewhere else in 2024, most likely. So, Well, I did see an interesting um, stat on Bleacher Report. And yes, there are other stats beyond these two, but they just posted Leslie Frazier since 2017. Yards per play that the Bills defense has given up 5.0 first in the NFL since his time began in Buffalo. Total quarterback rating allowed in the entire time here in Buffalo, first in the NFL. Takeaways, second in the NFL. So the whole time he's been here, since 2017, the Bills defense has been great by most metrics, great. And you can say, what? What about points, huh? What about points? Where they land on that uh, on those rankings in terms of points allowed? Because... Yard it's not on this graphic, but yeah. I can see if I can look it up. I, I genuinely believe they're going to be top five in points also. but uh, uh, Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, I think it's interesting to cherry-pick the yards thing because I, I have heard that a, a lot of the more defensive-minded head coaches, Belichick preeminent amongst them, do not believe yards allowed to be much of a useful metric. And it's more of a, especially as you keep saying, with this very offense favored uh, trend that we're seeing in the NFL. It's very much a case of bend, but don't break. So like, yeah, you can let them march up and down the field, but as long as you're stopping them when you need to, that's all that really matters. And from what I've gathered from you, you were most critical of Leslie Frazier this past season of all of his years. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair to say. Bills were second in the league in terms of points allowed last year. Yeah, but like I said, it wasn't a case of like him. I don't know. It wasn't a case of him being entirely bad as a defensive coordinator. I just don't know that he's the right fit moving forward. Or I didn't know that if he was the right fit moving forward to develop all the young guys that they really need to inject into this defense. So that was my big Well, hopefully they find the guy that is. Yeah. I, I think you just care more about the defense than I do. So for me, I just think, like, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. And I didn't view the Bills' defense as broken. I just viewed it as performed pretty well. So leave it alone and let them do their thing. Sure. All right. So those are the big three pieces of news relating to Buffalo. What we are going to do today is talk about some of the interesting ideas people have about the Bills early offseason coming up, right? Free agency is going to start 15th, right? It starts next week on the 15th. I believe that is the official date, uh, the beginning of the new NFL year. So free agency is going to begin. We're going to take a look at some um, moves that have been put forth by some dudes in the know, and we will talk about our own ideas for free agency, kind of put together a wish list as it were, but there's also a lot of news, Graham, going on throughout the league that doesn't affect Buffalo directly, but of course, in an indirect way, some of this news is going to affect Buffalo's uh, success in the future. Yeah. Talking about trades that Talking have been made trade, recently. Baby. Uh, trades that have happened, trades that may happen, and uh, what that means for Buffalo. So the big news that came up in league circles, I think it was just yesterday, right? Is the trade that happened between the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. So the Carolina Panthers traded a whole ton of stuff um, to get up from number nine to the first overall pick in this year's draft. And on the way to doing that, I think they traded their second round pick this year too, second round pick next year or the year after, and also a first-round pick next year with 
wide receiver, young star, DJ Moore. So the Bears get a haul in terms of draft capital and they get an instant number one receiver for Justin Fields. So that's huge. And all eyes are now on the Carolina Panthers to see what they do with that first overall pick. What'd you think about that trade? Yeah, I saw this was news to DJ Moore. Apparently he posted on um, social media that this is how he found out, like seeing it on TV. That's a pretty crazy thing to just think, you know, you got your house, you're all set up, you're a great receiver, you're probably going to be in uh, Carolina forever. And then, boom, you see that you're traded online. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough stuff. Yeah, I thought this was an aggressive move for both teams, really, because the Bears were criticized heavily for basically doing nothing to help Justin Fields last year. They really didn't provide him with a supporting cast and they were the worst team in the NFL and it showed. And so here they are in Justin Fields year three. Um, there were people who compared this move to what the bills did because going into year three, the bills added uh, Stefan Diggs to support Josh Allen's development. And here the bears are adding an established young receiver in DJ Moore to help provide Justin Fields with the much needed veteran support and, established wide receiver help that he um, he needs in order to develop. And then on the, the Panthers side, this is a pretty aggressive move for them because they're kind of a team that they tried the Sam Darnold thing, didn't work out. Um, they didn't get a lot out of DJ Moore, I remember, early in the year. because And I just remember from a fantasy perspective, him being one of these guys you got to go get and him just underperforming. Like they just could not get going really last year and somehow stayed in the mix because they were in that terrible NFC South. They were alive until late in the season, but uh, two teams that really underachieved kind of going for it in a sense. And I think that's interesting. I just like that it's happening in the NFC, not anywhere near us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It will be interesting though, to see how this plays out with the first overall pick, because there's already reports out of Carolina saying that they might be willing to move down from number one overall. So people are saying basically that they gave up the farm to move up to number one. And now they're expecting to like sell it high or something, maybe, but um, I think they're going to probably draft the quarterback. I don't know why you would move to number one if you don't like a guy enough to uh, get, but there's also people talking Graham about this maybe being the first in a set of moves that eventually ends up with Lamar Jackson in Carolina. So do you mean Lamar Jackson may not end up in Baltimore for the long term? I'm saying it's a possibility. I'm not saying Could that be, might that be a reality at this point? I don't know that that would be crazy. Who would even Dude, suggest it's, that? It's, pop? <laughs> yeah. So those of you who do not know, Graham and I do have a bet. We made this bet two years ago. I want to say, I made this bet with Jake after he won the MVP in, what was it, 2018? Uh, And then I made it with you the year after, or 2019? You told me about the absurdity of this bet, and this bet was more or less uh, that you did not believe that the the Baltimore Ravens were going to sign a long-term deal with Lamar Jackson. And I said, that's crazy talk. So I took you up on this bet, and damn, good on you, because it... The only scenario where I can imagine Lamar Jackson returning to Baltimore on a long-term deal is if another team signs Lamar to a contract that he likes because that's kind of the whole hang-up here is Lamar Jackson is looking for a contract similar to that of Deshaun Watson's, meaning that it's fully guaranteed. And the idea, I think, is that Lamar Jackson, because he got the non-exclusive franchise tag, he gets to um, negotiate with other teams at the start of the league year. And if another team signs him to a contract, the Baltimore Ravens have the first right of refusal. Like they can, they can match the contract and keep Lamar, or they can say like, nope, we don't want to match that. And the team signing Lamar has to hand over two first round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. So really at this point, the only scenario I see Baltimore signing Lamar long-term is if Lamar has a very depressed or suppressed market and is not able to sign the contract that he wants. But 
eventually just settles for some contract that he thinks looks favorable enough. And then Baltimore says, yep, see, we told you your market's not what you thought it was. And we would be happy to sign you to this because it's not a fully guaranteed ridiculous contract. Even in that scenario, I think this is just a player who's too proud and stubborn and also is representing himself as his own agent. I just think because Lamar, when he's healthy and when he's on, he's amazing. He, he, totally transforms that team, not just the offense, but that team overall. And he's a great player. But to me, the big mistake is he's, I feel, letting a lot of stuff that is just totally standard contract talk and everything like that hurt his feelings, right? Because he doesn't have an agent. He's working with his mom and maybe like a lawyer friend to negotiate directly with the Baltimore front office all this time. And I think they're saying things that, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to tiptoe and be like, no, it's not about you. It's just about the market. But eventually there needs to be some like, okay, you're not worth this amount of money. And I think that has rubbed him the wrong way. And that's a mistake because an agent, if nothing else, will keep you uh, from hearing that negative talk. And I think keep relationships from souring between players and front offices. So that's a big mistake on his part. Well, yeah, and that's its own thing. Like, why wouldn't you have an agent? I don't even understand why he wants to not have an agent. I don't get it. But that's, I guess, besides the point at this point, I'm saying even in this scenario where he finds out nobody really wants him and the Ravens say, I told you so, there's no way that he just says like, okay, fine, I'll swallow my pride and I'll play out my career for you guys. I've been humiliated in the whole world over the past two years and now I'll just shut up and do my job. No, not this guy. This guy would say, get you guys, now you really made me mad because you were right and I'll never admit that. So I'm going to finish this contract with you jerks and then I'm going to hit free agency and just take the best deal I can get next year. Well, the thing that you're wrong about though is... I don't think he's going to come back. I don't think he's not going to get an offer and just come back to them with his tail between his legs. I do think that eventually a team will give him an offer that he's like, okay, this is good enough. Like, it's not what I wanted in terms of a fully guaranteed contract or something, uh, but I'll take it. And then because the Ravens have the right to match it, they'll say, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll gladly take that because it is not a fully guaranteed contract. And so then... But for that reason, like he knows the Ravens would do that, right? So he's not going to accept an offer sheet yeah, that is well less not. than... And then, and then, yeah, the whole idea of him returning to Baltimore is just never, on a long-term deal, is just never going to happen. Because if he does agree to play on the franchise tag, which I think is a possibility, uh, he is just going to be like, yep, I'm, I'll play for this totally guaranteed money this year, and then I am gone the year after that. Or maybe I'll even sit out. Uh, and I'm gone next year, but who knows? I, I, at, at this point, that seems more likely to me because I genuinely don't. Maybe there is a team out there that's crazy and wants to just sink every asset they have into getting him. I, he's not made himself look good as a face of your franchise at this point. He's been injured a lot. He had a great season and won the MVP, but is has shown to be less multidimensional since then. I don't. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm not gonna mortgage my whole franchise to go get this guy and I, I think other teams are smart so i think the most likely scenario is unless you get some you know bankrupt franchise that needs a face and it just goes for it probably not going to get the offer that he's looking for he's probably going to have to suck it up and either sit out or play this season out with the ravens and then he's just going to walk and take the best offer he can going into the next season yeah that could happen Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Dolphins, though, because the Dolphins were in the news. They did pick up the fifth-year contract on Tua, effectively signaling that they are not interested in negotiating with Lamar Jackson about a contract. So the situation at quarterback in Miami looks to be set for the next two years at least, barring uh, injury, which is a very realistic possibility. Well, he's been doing judo. I think he's learning how to fall, and he's not going to give himself concussions for falling like an idiot anymore. The Dolphins saw this, and they rewarded him with some shamer. Uh, The other news, though, concerning the division that both the Bills and Dolphins play in is coming from New York, 
and that involves a future Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He apparently met with Jets brass in California, and they had a very fruitful dinner by all accounts. And we will see what happens there because it looks like it's just a matter of time before and a matter of kind of working out the details of what a deal would look like to get Aaron out of Green Bay and into New York. So that is scary. I guess. Uh, I mean, that would make the Jets much more dangerous than they've been, and the Jets gave the Bills some trouble this year. Of all the teams in the AFC East, I think that's the team that I'd be most interested in seeing turn things around. I still think the Bills are better than the Jets, even if they get Aaron Rodgers, but I think it makes the Jets the second-best team in the division by a long shot. So it would make the AFC East a two-horse race in my mind, which would be kind of fun. And I live down here with a bunch of Jets fans. um, So, you know, I'm not at all a Jets fan. I wish them the worst, of course. But if, you know, to to see the people around here who have suffered, not like Bills fans at all, not even close, but I think people forget they, the Jets haven't made the playoffs maybe since they made the AFC championship game with Mark Sanchez. Is that right? That was like in 20... 2010 or 11. Did they not make the playoffs with, uh, who'd you call it? The Todd Bowles? I don't think so. I know there was, they were close to breaking the drought with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. And I think that was the year that didn't they, get in because uh, the Bills beat them in the week six. six right. Yep. Yeah. And we beat them in the final week to prevent them from getting in. They might be the longest playoff drought in the NFL. It's been a long time. So hmm. that's a good question. I'll look that up while you're, uh, Bitten some talk for a second here. I would be happy for Jets fans, but make no mistake, I do hate the Jets, and I, I, you know, I hope they do terribly. It's just that if I have to compare my hatred for them to the Dolphins and the Patriots, it's not close. I really loathe those other two franchises, and uh, so you know, a struggling franchise get some feet under them. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play for that long, so he's got careful what you wish for, bro. I think that the Jets are a very talented team they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball we both spoke about at the middle of the season how impressed we were with their coaching staff or at least Robert Sala and how he's able to navigate his terrible quarterback situation up to that point Um, but good on you because the New York Jets are indeed the NFL franchise with the longest playoff 12 years so you're more or less spot on 2011 the last year Guess what the second longest, or guess who holds the second longest playoff drought? Oh, this is tough. Um, I, I think it had been a while for the Dolphins before this year, so it can't be them. Um, not the Texans. They're bad. It's got to be a team who's kind of good right now. Um, I don't know. Give me an NFC team like... The Panthers. When was the last time they were in? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, not the Panthers. Not it is not the, Panthers. the Panthers are number four on this list. Five years. They were last in it, 2018, with a, a resurgent cam. Lions are number three. Ooh, how about the Lions? 2017. Matthew Stafford led them to the playoffs. The number two what? team, seven years, is the Denver Bears? Broncos. Can you believe that? Huh. Basically... They probably were in the Super Bowl that year. I was going to say, basically, Peyton dragged them, or they dragged uh, decrepit Peyton. They dragged Peyton, let's be honest. (laughs) They they taped him to a broom and stuck him upright behind an offensive line. Anyway, the sheriff led them to a Super Bowl victory, and since then, (laughs) no playoff appearance. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, feels like just yesterday. Yeah, that's not. Super Bowl 50, right? Them versus the, the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah. I remember that one clearly. All right. So, yeah, that is basically the big news in the league, other than Derek Carr signing with the Saints. And, yeah, anything else? No, I think we've got to spend a little bit of time talking about, you know, you freed up some cap space. Bean did last uh, episode. And so I think the Bills have roughly $20 million to play with if they were to follow the trajectory that we set for them. So, now might be a good time to talk about before the Bills actually start signing free agents, 
what types of players the Bills should be interested in signing and who specifically might be a good target for them. Sure. Yep. We are going to talk next episode about some pre-draft stuff, but the thing that makes this free agency class very interesting that I spoke to you about off the air is that the NFL draft class is not viewed as being very full of talent, uh, the 2023 draft class. So for that reason, it's going to be difficult to head into the draft and be like, okay, we have these two holes. Let's get players at these two positions. We can plug them right in. We're good to go. No, that is not how this draft class is viewed. And for that reason, I think it is very important to take a close look at the free agent class and maybe see, especially with the Bills cap situation, not allowing for any big, huge splashes like last year, see if we can find some diamonds in the rough, some dudes whose markets might be a little bit lower than the top tier uh, of their position in free agency and see if we can have them add them to the roster as a way of setting the bills, putting them over the top. Yeah, I would say from my perspective, I think the bills have a couple major needs. We've talked about interior offensive line being a place they might want to bolster uh, the defensive line and the safety position needing help. I also am going into this with the assumption that we've signed Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Boyer. So if we're doing that, then safety is not as huge of an immediate need. But I also have the philosophy that you shouldn't try to fix your team by just spending big in free agency and the Bills did that last year. So I don't think I'm going to be naming anybody who's the number one free agent at their position um, at any of these spots. And I'm just going to try to maybe plug some holes as far as who might be your number one backup guard or something moving forward. You know, uh, that, that sort of thing will be my philosophy. Well, guard, it's funny you mentioned guard because guard, I think, is maybe the only position that you can really say you could get a starter at guard and it might not break the bank to do that this year because guard is a pretty good free agent class. Um, yeah. Did we sign Jordan Poyer? We did. Okay. You did. Okay. Right? Interesting. You restructured yeah. the whole team and made a ton of cap space and then you were able to get Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer back. I did, did it. Okay. So yeah, we're going to talk some, yeah, as you just said, players that are not going to break the bank can maybe make an impact on this team, but not necessarily the top tier of their positions in this free agent class. So you and I identified the interior offensive line, defensive tackle, I would say, rather than defensive end and wide receiver as probably the biggest needs for the bills heading into this offseason, and, and we can talk about whether we address all of those needs in both free agency and the draft or one or the other. Right. But what do you want to do? What do you want to start with? Right. Uh, I want to start with, well, let's get guard out of the way. That's boring to talk about. Ooh, so yeah, guard, pick a couple of guards. <laughs> um, we could have Roger Saffold back if we want him, but I don't want him. Um, Nine Danka. I think I would pursue a player like that though you know i would look for a player who's been around the league who might be able to plug in and be your starter if you need him to be but if you end up drafting young talent it's not a big deal if they start over him um so not that i'm well versed in every guard in the league but i would think about a player like maybe justin Pugh, who i know was a giant and then most recently played in arizona but he's 32 He's got a ton of experience, and he'd be a guy who I feel like I would be comfortable saying he can be your starting guard if there's an injury or if they don't draft a top, you know, first or second round guard in the the draft this year. Okay. Well, then I was going to say if you want to follow the Roger Saffold mold, you want an old dude who's well past his prime, and you followed that blueprint with Justin Pugh, I think, because he's 32. Roger Saffold's 30, almost 35. And Justin I think we all agree Justin Pugh also has not been healthy in his career. I think he got drafted by the Giants, right? And he's played his last contract out in Arizona. And I feel like the whole time in Arizona, he appeared on the injury report. I don't know the exact numbers, how many games he was starting and everything like that. But I just feel like Justin Pugh is the last thing you need, especially at interior offensive line, is a guy that you can't rely on because that's kind of the signal card of the bills interior offensive line 
as of right now. We don't want another guy that fits that mold. Come on, man. Well, I think last year when the Bills signed Roger Saffold, I don't think anybody went, ah, no, I think we all thought like, oh, good. veteran stability. That'll be nice, you know, and it didn't work out. So try that again. Like I said, I'm not looking for the starting right guard. I'm looking for a guy who can be my right guard if I don't address it elsewhere in the draft. And if I were the general manager, I would be addressing that in the draft coming up with one of my top. Picks. So I think this is the type of free agent signing that I'm looking for. Now, last year he made almost right. nine million. Well, There's no way he's going to make that in the future. I think his market value is somewhere in like the five million dollar range or something. So, if the Bills could sign a guy who's a veteran, has experience, played at Syracuse, then um, I would be fine with taking another kick at the can. I disagree with you because I believe that this is the year, as I said, to actually find a cheap starting guard. And you don't have to sign an old dude just because he's a little bit at a discount price. I think that the guard class is pretty full up. There are a lot of good guys in this free agent class. And for that reason, I don't know if all of them are going to get paid and all of them can't get paid. So I think you can still find a young guy. I like David Edwards. Uh, He was one of the dudes who missed time with the Rams last year, but he's very talented and he's young. He's 26 years old. And I think that they could get him uh, at a slight discount because he did miss last year. And I know I just said Justin Pugh (laughs) injury problems, but I think when you're 33 versus 26, that uh, there's the ability to come back from an injury a little bit better. If you do want to grab a guy who is, not an injury concern at all, then I would take Connor McGovern who comes from the Cowboys. He's only 25 years old. And I think that he is, uh, was a very good pass protector apparently for the Cowboys. And that's exactly in my mind what the bills need at interior offensive linemen. Well, I'll assume you've done a lot of um, guard scouting in your time. I've been, and... I've been tape dogging it, bro. Grinding the tape. Good for you. I think our philosophies differ here, but if you're looking for your starting guard, then yeah, go for one of these young UFAs who just finished their first contract with the team and their team decided they don't have the money to pay that guy what he's worth. So bills could do that. If you're saying that not all these guys are going to get paid too, I mean, you could just wait for other teams to pick all the guys they want and then see who's left. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, there's nothing to say that you have to run out there and sign uh, Connor McGovern to a free agency deal right away. But what I'm saying is the fact that there are so many dudes, I think you can't actually get a starting caliber guard at a reasonable price. And I'd rather take a veteran to start at guard as opposed to like a, I don't think you're going to get a first round guard. So like a second or third round interior prospect. No, I don't, that's not my bag. So I say Connor McGovern or David Edwards, you say Justin Pugh at guard. Why don't we jump to defensive tackle then next? Because Pew. this is another yep. uh, position that's got a lot of talent coming in. Not as young, though, as the interior offensive line. So, yeah, um, in my mind. Well, we've got $20 million in what I was going to say, we've got $20 million in cap space, so we could just sink it all into Fletcher Cox. He's pretty great. Uh, that would be a 32, to man. 32. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to sign him to a six-year contract, but, you know. So you're basically just going to have an offensive line that's either dudes on cheap rookie contracts or old guys on big deals. No, thank you. All right. Well, I actually don't think we need to go after... Uh, Fletcher Cox, but <clears throat> I looked at um, Delvin Tomlinson, who was released by the Vikings, or not re-signed yeah. yet by the Vikings. He would not be in the $15 range like you might get from Fletcher Cox, but um, he's younger. He's been in the NFL for six years, Alabama product, and um, he's probably going to cost around 8 to $8.5 million. So he's a guy who I think could sit there in the middle of the defensive line and provide what the Bills have been lacking from the combination of Ed Oliver and uh, Daquan Jones or whoever you've got next to him. Ooh, that's a good point. What are we looking for in this defensive tackle? Are we looking more for a guy who can, I mean, obviously in a perfect world, we're getting a guy who can do everything, but 
if you have to choose between the guy who can disrupt the passer from the interior spot or a guy who's more of a run stuffer, what are you looking for this year? I liked Daquan Jones's performance last year. He just got hurt for the most important game of the season. Right. And that mattered a lot. At that time. I do think that stopping the run is a useful trait. And Daquan Jones, I think, is only under contract for one more year. So if we're going to sign a free agent to a multi-year contract right now, I'd like it to be a guy who can replace Daquan Jones as more of a one-tack. Sure. Okay. In that case, then, I'm thinking Puna Ford from the Seahawks. He's only 27 years old. Didn't have the greatest 2022 season, but he is a pretty solid run stuffer when he's on top of his game. I do think that because of that, not so well, we'll call it a down season. I do think he would come at a bit, a bit of a discount. The other guy that I think is an intriguing option comes to us from the Carolina Buffalo pipeline. And that is Matt Ioannidis, defensive tackle for the Panthers. And he's just a, yeah, an all rounder, I would say. And that's the kind of guy I would like to see for the bills as well. All right. You know, um, and Dominican Sue's on this list. He is, yeah. What do you think of signing a guy like that to like a one-year, $2 million contract? I don't know. He didn't look washed last year with the Eagles, that's for sure. But he is 36 years old. I hate I hate Dominican Sue. So oh, I pose this question because he's the oldest defensive tackle on the list, and he's a name that people know, and he does what we're saying the Bills need. But I don't want him. You know, I hate him. I don't mind. I I get what you mean, but I would not be upset if he kind of like played the same thing that he did last year where he signs with the team sort of front runner in the middle of the season. I think that the Bills could maybe consider that option in the middle of the season, injecting some juice into the line midway through and, and getting a guy who can contribute. But yeah, I don't think that they need to rush out and sign him. And if you hate him, you hate him. So he's gone. Yeah, that's right. All right. All right. So um, one, I guess the other biggest one, because we did re-sign Jordan Poyer, can't even remember really what uh, the contract details were. We did. Relating to that. But if we re-sign Jordan Poyer, then safety is not such a need. I do want to say, though, I think that there um, are some quality safety options in free agency that could come cheap and might be good bridge players if the Bills kind of address this position in the draft so that they can maybe play a veteran and let the young guy develop on the bench. I I was looking at Julian Love and even maybe bringing in Terrell Edmonds from the Steelers, who has not played up to his first-round status, but he's a very solid safety. And he's still young, similar to... Terrell Edmonds, he's like weirdly young for the amount of time he's been in the league already. He's 26 years old. What did the Edmonds parents do? Send them to kindergarten at like Seriously? three? I don't know, man. Crazy. <laughs> but, uh, They're all way too young. Yeah, those are the only guys that I would consider maybe coming to the Bills on you know, deals that won't break the bank and, and could help them transition after Micah Hyde and Poyer finish the careers in Buffalo. The other position though, it's really big time is wide receiver, right? Yes. And there was a big time receiver released yesterday by the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen is on the market, baby. I would love to have Adam. Yep. Yep. Adam Thielen. He is what? 33 years old now. So he's definitely on the downside of his career, but he's good for like 500, 600 yards, maybe six or seven touchdowns. The only thing with Adam Thielen, though, at this point is like, I'm considering everything that we said about Gabe Davis and like how he was disappointing for us just because we had sky high expectations for him heading into this season. The thing that I wondered, though, is like, if we get rid of, if we, and I'm talking about we as in, you know, me as Brandon being you as Sean McDermott, if we got rid of Isaiah McKenzie, who's going to play the slot? Ideally, Khalil Shakir jumps in there, but doesn't Gabe Davis or didn't Gabe Davis do his best work out of the slot, if I'm not mistaken? Wasn't his... I think of Gabe Davis as being the most impressive plays he made were on the perimeter. I'm trying to think if if he was playing out of the slot against the Chiefs in the playoff game, 
or if he was on the perimeter. I can't remember, honestly. Regardless. He's supposed to be a big body who wins contested catches. So let him do what he's supposed to do, but don't force him to be second best on the team at it. Right, that's true. Okay, so I was I was just going to say, though, if, if Adam Thielen is expected to play out of the slot and that also may be Gabe Davis's best position, then there's a conflict of interest there. But if that's not the case, yeah. Um, I would have liked to see Robert Woods maybe uh, come back to Buffalo, but he did just get signed by the Texans yesterday, I believe it was, for two years, $15 million, so 7.5 a year. I think a pretty reasonable deal for... Robert Woods. I would like to see, it wouldn't bother me to see uh, Adam Thielen in a Bills uniform, but I think that there are younger options out there that could help out too, like Darius Slayton. Uh, he is coming from the Giants, only 26 years old. He was kind of miscast because the Giants receiver receiving core has been so bad for so long. He was kind of miscast as like a number one, number two option early in his career. And then with Dable, he he uh, didn't start out really well, but I think he finished off the season uh, pretty strong. And so Darius Slayton could make an easy transition to the Buffalo offense, I feel like, coming on a not-so-expensive deal. The one dude, though, who I think could add some real juice to this position, Graham. Oh, Nicole boy, Martin. do it. Yeah, baby. It's going to be like a $10 million deal, but yeah. I mean, speed. That would be amazing. Uh, Miko Hardman, he's only another dude crazy young for how long he's been in the league. Only 25 years old. He never really took over as the number two receiver or even as the number one receiver, or the number one receiver, rather, after uh, Tyreek Hill left, but... He's a dude who's just got tons of physical gifts, and I think that pairing him with Josh Allen would be magic, especially because he got Stefan Diggs to take all of the uh, attention away. And, yeah, man, I, I just think hopefully if the Bills could get him on a, on a not crazy deal, that would add a dimension to the offense that they don't currently have at the receiver position. I mean, I think there's going to be a market for him. He's produced well. The Chiefs are just at a spot where they can't pay the guys like this anymore because they're in the cap position that the Bills are basically finding themselves in now and in the near future. But this would be in substitute for drafting a receiver. And you've said that the receiver market in the draft is not what you'd like it to be if you're trying to replace a number two receiver. So this would be great for the Bills. I think this would make an immediate impact on the roster. It would chew up most of your cap space at this point. But if this is your big splash move, I'm for this because this makes your offense better right now. And that's what I want. Yeah. Well, the thing about the receiver position in my mind is like, there actually are a lot of good number twos. I think the problem though, is because they're all number twos, they're going to go in the first round like a number one should. You know what I mean? So like just the need for receivers and everything is going to push up the demand for them. It's going to it's going to make people overdraft some of these guys. And I worry that like at the end of the first round, if the Bills haven't made any move at receiver at all up to that point in the offseason, they might think to themselves, oh, we got to take, you know, Zay Flowers who – I don't think I would have a problem with them drafting him later in the second, but as a first, I don't know. But I don't know. That's just sometimes how the draft goes. And just because you think of a guy as being a round two guy doesn't mean if they go in round one, it's the end of the world. We'll see. We'll talk about it, though. I have one more uh, free agency receiver signing that I'd like the Bills to make. Um, There is a 35-year-old receiver from the Panthers-Bills pipeline who is hitting the market. And we're going to need him because we ruthlessly released our only kick and punt returning running back during our intro to free agency episode last week. I think the Bills should bring back Andre Roberts and let him calmly and responsibly return kicks and punts. Okay, nice. I have it. One year, one million. Better let him more. retire about Just He'll just catch them all. He'll just be a nice... Fair catch, and we'll just see fair catches all season long. No one has to stress. It's going to be wonderful. 
Did you know he was in Carolina just off the top of your mind? No, I just saw him on this uh, list and a, saw him. He was a Panther. For you, because I totally forgot that was the case. You know, I was just looking at the free agency list and saw Andre Roberts. I was like, wow. Nice to have a nice stabilizing kick and punt returner back on the team. Yeah. Because no more Naeem Hines. We got rid of him. Yeah. Bean and, yeah. Bean and McDermott were on, on the same page on that one. Yep. Dude, we got to address this really quick because you and I are big fans of Joey Boos, Joe Buscaglia of The Athletic. Joey Boos had like a sort of, uh, he's going through this mock off season and separating it in different parts, free agency, the draft, all that stuff. Um, this is the first time that I've really been like, Joe, what are you smoking? Because he goes through what he wants the bills to do leading up to free agency. And he's talking about some of the obvious moves, restructuring Josh, restructuring Stefan Diggs. Then though, he talks about the free agency and his number one move was to sign Miles Sanders to a three-year, $24 million deal. $8 million a year for Miles Sanders. Not a move I would make. Then he talks about not cutting Naheem Hines, but restructuring him because, yeah, you know, he did well enough coming from Indianapolis midway through the year. Disagree. Disagree hard, Joey Boos. And then he says... I disagree too, but wait, before you move on from that, are you still talking about Miles uh, Sanders? No, or are you moving on to another? you have to say about yeah. Miles Sanders? Just, I do think that like all our opinions aside, the Bills have a plan for Naeem Hines. I don't think they liked the way they used him last year, or they didn't necessarily like the way that Ken Dorsey used him last year. I think he is a part of their plan next year. So as frustrated as I was with him, I don't like seeing him run the ball out of the end zone from 10 yards deep on kickoffs. But And he wasn't effective as a running back in either aspect of the game on the ground or in the passing game. I think you will see him doing a lot more and being used in a lot of different ways next year from what we saw last year. Cause they've got to have an idea for how to handle him. And last year, wasn't it? They just kind of threw him in and said, let's see what we can do with you. But they've been for a guy like that. And I think when these beat writers are writing articles about what they think the bills will do or should do, I think they are plugged in and understand that they're not just going to get rid of a guy who they just traded for and is still under contract for two more years. Like in reality, he's going to be around. Yeah. But I definitely don't want him to be back at the price tag he carries right now. And Joey Boost did talk about restructuring him. He talks about cutting his salary in half. I don't know, man, that even seems rich for me, but I do not like the idea of going into free agency though, and paying a running back period. So like, Regardless of what you do with Naheem Hines, I do not think the move would be to double down hard at the position through some big free agent deal, which $8 million a year for Miles Sanders. He had a great, great season in Philly. Don't get me wrong. But he was playing behind the best offensive line in the league. He was playing in a system that is very, very kind to running backs in general. And up until this season, he had not proven himself to be uh, a guy who could carry the load or um, really play up to his athletic potential. And I don't think that that would change after one great year, sending him off into a environment, into an environment that like would not be able to maximize his skill set. So but, yeah, of all positions, I think buying high on a running back is one of the worst positions to buy high on. Like people are going to see that he had a great year, and like you said, there were all these advantages that made him perform really well because that is a position where you are at the mercy of how your team is scheming your run plays and how good your offensive line is and all these other things, you know. So, I don't like sinking top free agency dollar running back who just had a great year. You probably would rather find a running back who had a bad year and is playing in a system that's terrible behind a bad offensive line and, you know, try to find a diamond in the rough at that position rather than spending on one of the top running backs in the league last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and running back is certainly, I think a position you can find in any round in the NFL draft, you can find a guy who can contribute, but the running back was also actually one of the positions I thought maybe the bills could get, like a one-year flyer, take a one-year flyer out on some guy 
that would not be too expensive and see how it worked out. And there are some interesting names on the free agency list. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. for the Dolphins. Deonta Foreman, who played for the Panthers. I like uh, the idea of bringing on Dearness Johnson. He played for the Browns and was buried behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But when he got the chance to play, showed a lot of explosive uh, ability. So I wouldn't mind bringing one of those guys on. Product Jarrett Patterson is on this list. Uh-huh. Bring him in. He had a, a standout year in Washington and then got buried on the depth chart behind some talent. So I like bringing a guy like that onto the team. Jarrett Patterson. Buffalo Bulls, yeah. Yeah. He's still young. How is he a free agent? He's like, uh, he just played out his, his rookie contract and never was re-signed. Okay. Did he sign like, okay. He, was a, he came out as a junior, but he must have been young. Yeah, okay. He must have also signed like a three-year, two- or three-year deal. He's in that same kindergarten class with three-year-old Tremaine Edmonds, <laughs> two of them. <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds was the tallest one in the class already. <laughs> they thought he was six. Yeah. Thought he was held back. <laughs> in reality, Kindergarten split up by size, right? They don't do age <laughs> That's how they do it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anything else to add from free agency, Graham, or heading into free agency? I just hope the Bills don't do anything crazy. Uh, they have not re-signed either Poyer or Edmonds yet. In reality, we did because we know best what the Bills should do. But for some I reason, they haven't done that, that yet. And like you said, next week on the fifteenth, other teams are going to have a crack at those two. So. I really hope that by then Edmonds is already under contract. Poyer, I understand that's probably the end of the road with him, but I don't want you to let Tremaine Edmonds go hit the open market. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I did, as Brandon Bean signed Tremaine Edmonds, and I gave all the reasons why I did that. I don't know, man. Still would not be heartbroken if he did walk, especially if he commands the sort of money that I think he could on the uh, free agency scene. I, I absolutely would think that you'd just look at that defense completely differently if he was not in the middle of it next year. So he's my number one priority right now. Do something, Brandon. Figure it out. You got a couple days left. Do something. And then um, for us, for our next episodes, it'll, I suppose, be draft-related because that's coming up in about a month right now, right? Right, yeah. So we'll do our... Our famous mock draft, as again, Brandon Bean will put our Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott hats on, and we'll sit down and do the mock draft like we did last year. Remember last year, we had one pick correct. We picked a actual Bills draft pick. Do you remember who it was? Mm, no. No. Matt Arise. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, so that we're looking. Well. We're looking to build on our success of one out of seven, I think. Um, and this year, I think we'll get a couple right. Yeah. Ooh, I can't wait. I also can't wait until our classic, classic uh, player to draft, dream choice, uh, realistic choice, and red flag choice. And I think I have a two-year streak of Bills picking my red flag choice. Who was your red flag last year? Because I remember two years ago, it was Greg Rousseau. Yep, two years ago it was Greg Rousseau. Last year it was Kair Elam. <laughs> Love it. Um, I don't know if you saw also, I did go in and update the points from our Bills rookie franchise teams because you know how every year we, we draft the Bills rookies into a franchise and we keep track of their starts, games played, things like that. Oh, yeah. So um, after we do that, we'll, we'll get to pick the new Bills rookies. I am still ahead, but you gained a little ground on me last year. Um, in this past season. So maybe when we get into talking more about the rookies, we can break down how successful your team was last season. I do have DeMar Hamlin and Matt Ariza on my team, which is hurting my long-term prospects because I'm basically losing two of my 10 Bills rookies. And I drafted Cyrus Tweetly in the first year, and he has not been on an NFL roster in two seasons. You drafted Kingsley Jonathan with your final pick last season. Mm-hmm who is earning you points from the final pick in the draft position, which is pretty impressive. So um, I always look forward to that part of the off season. Otherwise this point, we're just kind of sitting around waiting for the, for the, for the draft to happen. Did you watch the combine? Uh, yeah, I saw the highlights of it. I was very, very, very impressed by uh, what's his name. <laughs> what's his name? The quarterback. Oh, Alabama kid. No, oh. Florida. 
Uh, Richardson? Richardson? What's yeah. his name, though? His first name. Yeah. But anyway, crazy, crazy Anthony. athlete. I'm just waiting for some team to draft him, though, first overall, and it to just completely blow up in their faces. I can't believe they let him wear number 15. Why? Wasn't that Tebow? Wasn't he 15 for Florida? Oh, okay. I thought you meant um, just at the combine. No, no. For Because you look up like highlights of top draft prospects, and I'm looking at Tim Tebow running around out there, but it's not. I cannot believe they gave him number 15. It has not been long enough. Tim Tebow, so Tim Tebow was a legend. They should leave that number alone for at least a little while. I don't have, think you have to retire it or anything, but come on. Yeah, but maybe it's like the thing they do at USC. I think number 55 is like their big number at USC, and every awesome linebacker there has worn the number 55. Maybe they should just take every like godlike specimen and slap number 15 on him who comes to Florida. You know? So if next year's quarterback comes in and wants 15, they ah, you're yeah, not exactly. quite godlike. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to say Just this. some shrimpy three-star out of like... <laughs> Yeah. I can do it, coach. Florabama. And he's like, put me in. No, no. No, I think uh, he was an, a college football legend. You can't have another player where yeah, Florida 15. Cold blooded, but, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, by the way, your boy Cyrus Tweetly. Yeah. I don't know if you ever knew this. Cousins with AJ and Vanessa. No way. Yeah, they're cousins. Like real, actually blood-related parents or siblings kind of thing? Yes. Yep. All right. That's impressive. Well, maybe AJ can what get a disappointing family. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Tweetly says, "Not impressed." Uh, I just uh, saw also from the rookie draft classes. My boy Jack Anderson. He just got re-signed by the Bills or by, by the Giants. Oh yeah, yeah. He played some games last season too. I think for the Eagles early, and then Giants or something like that. Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, yep. Yeah, you've been doing pretty well with your depth picks. My top picks have just been solid, but my depth players have not been coming through the way that I would like them to. So it's a bit of a balance. I suppose um, it is. Anything else that's interesting in the offseason right now? Uh, no, nah, man, I don't think so. It, we did lose a lot of um, a lot of our European bulk coverage european american football coverage when we talked about the new developments in the european league of football and all those teams that was part of our lost episode though so at some point we will have to check back in on the elf and talk about the new teams that have joined the league maybe we can do some um elf slash usfl slash xfl quick little breakdown of what's going on in those leagues and if any of it's interesting that might be a good episode otherwise right now not a whole lot happening in sports NFL wise. You got March Madness coming up, which I know you've never been huge about, but that is like my favorite sports event of the year. So really? ready, ready for the, Oh, I love it. It's like that. The Olympics. If the bills were ever in the Super Bowl, it would be that. Uh, but man, March Madness is absolutely my jam. I love it. UB didn't make the cut. I got knocked out of the first round of the Mac tournament two nights ago. It was heartbreaking. I also noticed you and our buddy Tim blowing up the group chat with hockey stuff. Oh, Sabres are so disappointing to me right now. They don't care. They went on a run, annihilating. Freaks should start your own chat. Have all your crap in there. Tim, let's start a podcast. Hockey crap. Shouts out, Tim. What's up, Tim? Yeah, they they annihilated your Tampa Bay Lightning in back-to-back games, and then since then they just have lost three straight, and they're they're still in the playoff mix, which is exciting. I think the fact that the Sabres still could make the playoffs, and it's March, that's a huge step up from previous seasons. But they better win a few. They got the Rangers today at five. I'll be watching, but if they lose this one, I'm I'm thinking their shot at the playoffs is maybe gone. You're lying to yourself, bro. Everybody knows that my Tampa Bay Lightning, who are third in the Atlantic Division, <laughs> with 65 games from played, memory, 38 of them won. Everybody <laughs> knows that they're just turtling right now. Turding, you said? Turtling. Like a team of turds? They're turtling. They're able, because of their lofty position at third in the Atlantic Division, they can basically just, <laughs> just sit where they are and 
make it into the playoffs. Everybody knows they're going to make it into the playoffs. They're going to have to play the Leafs in the first round, as always. And the thing I love about the Lightning is they always beat the Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. So I do hope that when they get in and have to play the Leafs, I hope they beat the Maple Leafs again. Um, but they're not winning the cup this year. They're they're old and slow, and their contracts are just exploding, and they're in rough shape. Uh, their their dynasty is coming to an end. I'm sorry to tell yeah, you. Well, that's like your opinion, man. That's right. That is my opinion. Otherwise, right. not a whole lot of sports talk. We'll uh, start getting invested in the draft. Do a little bit of studying, and get ready, and then maybe our next episode will be a quick little uh, other football news, so we can catch up on our beloved European League of Football. I can't freaking wait man yep i love the european league of football all right then everyone thank you for listening go bills go bills Mm -hmm.